Exciting news at This Week Health. Starting May 16th, our keynote show is moving to Thursdays. Catch every episode weekly on our This Week Health conference channel. Don't miss conversations with top health system leaders designed to transform healthcare one connection at a time. Subscribe to This Week Health conference and stay updated every Thursday. They weren't re rewarded for it, but we needed it on the other end. I hope those have come to convergence with the Cures Act. And so now... It's all hands on deck, 2023 forward. We're all in. We just were a decade late to the demand signal. People get frustrated with me because we will talk about meaningful use. And essentially my stance on meaningful use is with all of its mistakes, I think a majority of healthcare would still be on paper if it did not have the incentives that it did have associated with it. And so I go back and forth with people on social media and I'm like, look, I understand your frustration. I understand physicians' frustration. I understand patients' frustration. But I think we're at this cusp of finally realizing all the value for all the heartache we've gone through for the last 15 years. And again, I come back to this AI model that I was privy to this past week that we were looking at. And I'm saying, oh my gosh, you have an authenticated experience where you're querying the, the information and it's giving you like the specific, I want a female dermatologist in this zip code and boom, there it is. And you're querying the information and you have an authenticated experience and you can actually say, hey, what's the doctor's name that I visited with the last time? And it'll tell you and it'll say, he prescribed something for my diabetes. What was it? And it'll show up. And I'm sitting there going, yeah, that was the that's what we all expected 15 years ago. Now, clearly the technology wasn't there. There was a lot of steps to go through, but we're we're almost there now. And I want to throw this out because I have not heard the compelling economic reason as a healthcare CIO that I'm going to stop what I'm doing, put down my pencil and go, you know what, we've got to do this today. There's a model here. I'm going to connect with my partners in a much more efficient way. I'm going to enable new entrepreneurs to do things. I'm going to change the patient experience fundamentally. That's what I want to hear from the three of you. Why should I put my pencil down and start doing Mark, something? Have Mark say that because that's really hard. So Bill, just a question, are, are you speaking more broadly or Kafka is what you're trying to hone in on here? I'm, maybe I'm speaking broadly about interoperability, but we could focus in on Tefka, if you will. If I'm an Epic shop, I'm sort of looking at this going, look, I'm already sharing my record with blah, 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 all over the place. Yeah. And I'm a part right. of Cosmos. I'm a part of this. I'm doing my part for humanity. And what's going to be the benefit of redirecting my team in really understanding Tefka, its benefits, and educating them on the fire endpoints and all those things? Yeah, a couple of points here. One is that I tried to touch on it earlier, but we don't view Tefka as being disruptive. It could be in some ways because it's different and things that are different are going to be disruptive in some regard. But we're trying to build off of the work that these great implementers like Care Quality and Commonwealth and others have done already. Gap filling, essentially? I'd say so. I think even though you have these national networks, there's still siloed information. It's a fragmented system that doesn't really connect all the dots. We're closer, but... If you look at Epic, you, or uh, these are all entities that are looking to join Tefka, which is great, but it's still a bit of a siloed thing. Even though they have a broad network, are they connecting with everyone else right now? I think that's what Tefka is seeking to do is create that base level of trust to say, you have your business model, we have our business model, and we can make it work together. And you can still be competitors, but still work together for the greater good. Anish, did you have something you know, else? I, I was going to say that the individual access use case would be disruptive and game-changing and a big deal. And the reason why you're getting a lot of this pushback on the use of it is that we don't know how to do the non o Basically, what that means is if I give Marianne the yeah. all-you-can-eat buffet key, do I trust that Marianne's going to only retrieve 
Bill Russell is a common name. How many Bill Russells and all that? That freaks people out, okay? That's why I've been arguing the disruptive use cases might be better started off in the bulk fire networks within trusted communities, like in the IAL2 requirements, for example, right? We know from NSTIC, from the Obama days, we try to create this, prove that you are who you say you are on the internet and that we can allow for that to make sure that, okay, okay. You, my mom and dad set up their MyMedicare.gov account because I was forcing them to do it for Blue Button. If you ask CMS right now, how many seniors out of the 66 million eligible MyMedicare.gov account holders have a username and a password? It ain't 66 million. President Biden just issued an executive order for people with Alzheimer's saying, we're going to launch this caregiver program because you have a loved one who's going to organize your care. And in the executive order, the president said, I'm directing the secretary of HHS to make it easier for caregivers to access your Medicare information. What's the plan? There is no plan. The plan is you call 1-800-MEDICARE and they give you a form that you manually fill out and then whatever, fax it, I guess, to somebody in Baltimore. And then you get some kind of, I don't know what you get, but it ain't blue button for my caregiver. So that's hard. Okay. But the president issued the executive order and I'm hopeful we can make progress on it. And that's because I'm not having an Alzheimer's patient having to set up a MyMedicare.gov account in order to unlock Blue Button. That's the most disruptive thing to get right. I don't think that's going to happen overnight. But that if there was anything to have everybody on this Zoom work on, it's like, how do we do that? I think the bulk fire approach is going to, all you can do buffet scares everybody. Bulk fire is controlled and secure. So you could do pilots. You could say, okay, if you go to an approved app that's through the thing and Alzheimer's, CMS is doing this Alzheimer's guide model. Okay, they can do it and they can do it with the Tefka networks. We could sort this out, but I think that one is massively disruptive for the good, but oh boy, we better get it right. Bill, well, that, that's what, uh, about the value proposition, yeah, I think really the value proposition of what we're talking about here is having a network approach that has is multi-use. And so instead of having a dedicated approach for sharing information for treatment and having a separate network or approach for sharing information for individual access and having a separate approach for public health in these one-off ad hoc requests. If you have a one framework that supports all of these things and there's consistency across the board, it makes it much easier, simpler. And I do believe there's a return on investment for CIOs that would otherwise have to support these point-to-point arrangements and multi-network arrangements. I agree. Mark, you wanted to say something? Yeah, just real quick. I was going to say, I agree with what, what both of you guys And I think when we talk about disruption, like you said, Anisha, it could be good, it could be bad. And especially with IAS, this disruption, I think, is necessary because the conversation isn't being had until we start to have that type of disruption and think through how can we make it work? It's not going to be smooth from off the bat, but like I said, everyone's in it together in TEFCA and we're trying to work out solutions and figure out ways to protect the data, work with our OCR colleagues to make sure that HIPAA breaches are still an important part part of this, but figure out a way to make the information flow and and patients get the information easier. By the way, Anish, I I do keep coming back to fire and bulk fire, especially bulk fire as the- It's the crown jewel, man. It's like we spent so much time to get this thing sorted out. Let's use this. Exactly. And we had a fair amount of tools that we were utilizing on our end to do some of these things. And I've talked to some health systems that actually have developers internally that are tapping into fire, not necessarily bulk fire, but they're creating some really interesting and useful cases. They're really, uh, I'll give you just one of them. I was talking to a physician at George Washington and he in DC, and he essentially was using fire. He's pulling this stuff down. He's anonymizing the data. He's putting it through ChatGPT and he's an ER doc. And he wanted to see as the ER doc, he had all these diagnoses and he wanted to see how well it did. 
And we, I understand it's not trained and all this other stuff, but his findings were that in one out of 100 cases, it was silly. Like an ED doc would never do that. But he's in a majority of the cases, it came back with my diagnosis. So let's talk about the CIO use case. So let's say for the sake of discussion, we go back to stage two, facilitated point-to-point network with all the efficiencies that Marianne said for the common agreement, fully endorse. Now, let's say for this discussion that GW Doc and Care First, which is the blues in DC, said, you know what? We want to test individual access services as a network model. We'll open up our Fire API on the payer side. You open up the Fire API on the EHR side. And what you need to do that is you would use your G10 bulk Fire server to say, here, I'm going to create a key that I'm going to give to Marianne's network participants that will only query for patients that are in a registry created by GW of care first patients. And there they could make the decision. Okay, if it's NIST IAL2 certified, they did the face ID and whatnot, and they can unlock the thing. The patient doesn't have to set up a portal account on either side. They can unlock it through Tefka to an app that they trust to help them do whatever they want to do. Second opinion, blah, blah, blah. That we could do today. And that's my hope that we use that all you can eat buffet key scares the bejesus out of people. Okay. The, cause you have to give it to somebody that's not inside your organization. Legal agreements, notwithstanding people make mistakes, things happen. That is some scary ass stuff. So we'll get there, but that takes time. It's trust, but verify or whatever. The bulk gives us a controlled environment to benefit from the economic savings of Tefka. Do we want to have a million vendor contracts with a million appendix A's of rules on how to do the B2B sharing? That's ridiculous. Of course you want the common agreement, but you might want to agree to employ that common agreement for use cases two, three, four, and five in a controlled experiment. We could do that, Bill. Audience members could do that today. This will be the last question. You're the only one who's going to get to answer this question. Is Oh, gosh. <laughs> one of our participants put this in. What are some of the current challenges uncovered with the first QHINs and their implementation journey? We don't have any designated QHINs yet, so we will in the very near future, which we're really excited about. I would say the experiences we've had have been collective. I don't think there was a challenge with QHINs per se, but the speed with which we're operating means we had to sort of adjust and adapt as we were going through the process. And I would say there are learnings across the board. We're really lucky that we're working with a group of organizations that are really invested in doing this and working with us. I think that it's just like anything new. We we're not really have an opportunity to pilot this and then refine it and then roll it out. We're sort of adjusting as we go. So I think just that ability to be adaptable and to maneuver in a very tight time frame. When we, our national coordinator is very goal oriented, which we love and we are too. And and so when we set a date, we meet that date. And that just means we we adjust and adapt as we go. But that's real life. That's real world. That's real implementation. And that's, as we roll this out, we're going to continue to evolve. Marianne, Anish, Mark, I want to thank you for your time. All the participants who tuned in, really appreciate you coming in as well. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Thank everyone. you. I love the chance to have these conversations. I think if I were a CIO today, I would have every team member listen to a show like this one. I believe it's conference-level value every week. If you want to support This Week Health, tell someone about our channels. That would really benefit us. 
we have a mission of getting our content into as many hands as possible. And if you're listening to it, hopefully you find value. And if you could tell somebody else about it, it helps us to achieve our mission. We have two channels. We have the conference channel, which you're listening to, and This Week Health Newsroom. Check them out today. You can find them wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, Google, Overcast. You get the picture. We are everywhere. We want to thank our keynote partners, CDW, Rubrik, Sectra, and Trellix, who invest in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. Thanks for listening. That's all for now.